Lord, we thank you for a beautiful day and a chance to be together tonight to fellowship and sing and and God look into your word. I pray, God, as we examine tonight some facts about us, God, that we'll be encouraged and motivated and blessed. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you give Josh a hand for a good job? Thank you, Josh. Does, do you need your study notes for tonight? Somebody probably does. If you don't have your study notes, raise your little hand. And these great, highly trained professors, did you get your study notes down front? If you didn't, don't be embarrassed. Raise your hand and these highly trained professionals will get them to you. Or Clayton and Brandon will get them to you. They're free, by the way. Your tithe money is already paid for them. And also the notes from the previous week are down front with the answers in them. And if you need a notebook, we have notebooks down there also that you can get. As they are continuing to pass these out. Y'all good in the balcony? If you're not, I do not see how these two can get it to you. They can try throwing it. We had a bulletin come down mid-sermon Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Did any of y'all see that? I'm preaching away, and all of a sudden I see, and it wasn't a teenager. It was Ryan Madden, if you see him, (laughs) a legal man. I don't know if he'd gone to sleep, and he just bumped and hit his bulletin, and I'm glad it wasn't a Bible. Wouldn't that have been tragic? All right, if you would, look at your sheets with me. We're going to real quick, we're talking about man tonight, humanity, but a quick summary of the Bible that we didn't get to last week. If you're new here tonight, we've been in a study since the 1st of February called Theology for Life, about the, the things of the Bible, about God, that beliefs that really, really matter, obviously, We won't be able to this spring cover everything, but we're trying to hit some of the the highlights. The Bible was our topic the last two weeks. The Bible is our rule of thumb. It is our perfect standard. It is our perfect standard. It is our tape measure. It's our level. It is the standard which we will be judged. Now, let me have your attention for just a moment. Look, look at your, this right here. It's a standard we will be judged. That when we stand before God, one of the books, and it says in Revelation 20, the books will be open. I believe one of the books is the Bible. And you'll get to pick your translation. Isn't that cool? Well, God, I like the King James. Here it'll be. Are you like to eat? Whatever it is. But the Bible is the standard in which we will be judged by. It is the standard which all human creeds and teachings are to be judged. And that's real important. When you look for a church or, you know, depending on if it's a non-denomination or a denomination, the Bible needs to be the standard which creeds, human beliefs, and teachings are judged by. No preaching, teaching, New revelation, church doctrine, feeling, leading, or new experience is to supersede the Bible. It has not happened often in my life, but a 
But a few times I've had someone come to me and tell me God is leading me to do this. I always duck when they say that because it normally means it's going to be work for me. (laughs) God is leading me. And sometimes they'll say something that's just contrary to the Bible. And folks, that's not God's leading. It's not God's leading. God, no preaching, teaching, new revelation will ever supersede the Bible. And here's a cool last thought on this, that the Baptists have always prided themselves of being people of the book. I'm not saying any other denominations haven't, but the Baptists have always prided themselves of being people of the book. And I conclude the Bible by saying, may it ever be so. You agree with that? We get in trouble when we place church, in, in the Baptists we don't have this creeds or our bylaws, our whatever, nothing's on the level with the Word of God. It stands alone, and, and that's a very, 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 very important, uh, a very, very important truth that we never get away with. Okay, man, I put humanity there because this is what we're talking about tonight. Man will be generic for mankind, so that's for women, that's, that's for all of us, man. And, and he, here's what I, I want to I encourage you, some of you tonight, you need, you need a spiritual B12 shot. So I want to encourage you by letting you see briefly who God says you are. Some of us need to be redirected as we look at other people and that we see people as God sees them. You agree with that? Because if you're a Christian, I'll show you a verse later that, that we are supposed to view people as God views people. That changes how we treat people. Would you agree? Remember, you can talk back tonight. Sunday morning, just smile and shake your head, but you can talk back tonight. All we're going to see is 100% true about you and everyone else. Humans were created by a special act of God. You were created by a special act of God. I believe it was Ethel Waters who used to say, God ain't made no junk and God made me. And I'm paraphrasing that. Or God made me and God ain't never made any junk. That's pretty good, isn't it? You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. Every person is created by a special act of God. Genesis 2, 7, it says, then the Lord God formed the, the man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath, of life, the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Folks, uh, uh, I, you, we're not going to get into it tonight, but I'm just going to uh, tell you gently, you, you didn't evolve from a monkey. <laughs> God created you. Isn't that good? You are a creation of God. You are a special creation of God. Psalms 139, verse 13 through 16, beautiful verses. This is talking about you. It's talking about everybody you know. For you formed my inner inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, God. Why don't you read this out loud with me? For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it's very, this very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in a secret, intrinsically woven in the depths of the earth. And that means the womb. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, 
when is it yet there was none of them. What a beautiful passage that you are not an accident, you're a creation, special creation of God. Humans are the supreme part of God's creation. That doesn't mean anything else in creation is not very important because it is, but in Genesis 1.28, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Humans were made as the top order of God's creation. And we'll see in a moment, we are, we are different. We are created in the image of God. We are, you are created in the image of God. Every person you ever bump into has been created in the image of God. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us, I love that, the plural there, the Trinity, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. Wow. Say amen. Now, how many of you have ever wondered what the image of God meant? You ever wondered that? Only me. That is great. Then we'll skip this and move forward. When I was in college, I became a Christian as freshman in college and, and began, began to be serious about the Bible and God. And when I read we were created in the image of God, that confused me because when I looked in the mirror, I thought, well, I'm handsome. God's handsome. Kind of joking, but just play along with me. But then I would see other people and I would say, that's the image of God. And they were looking at me going, that's the image of God. And then I realized that the image of God is not white skin or brown skin or black skin or red hair or white hair or blonde hair, bald head. The image of God is more who we are here. That makes sense? And so I want to share with you four things briefly. What does it mean to be created in the image of God? We have a unique self-awareness, a unique self-awareness, a conscious awareness. Okay, anybody that knows me knows that I love my dogs. I love my dogs dearly. And I believe that that our pets are going to be in heaven. And if you don't believe that, then you may not go to heaven. I'm just playing, but I'm telling you, that's mean if you don't believe pets are going to be in heaven. And I can back it up biblically. We'll talk later. But my dogs, I believe, are committed Christians. They're Baptist. Well, they are. They have to be. They belong to me. But I'm going to tell you, my dogs right now are not sitting at home as much as they love Cindy. They're not sitting at home going, man, I can't wait till Cindy and Chris get home and we have our dog food denied and we'll watch some TV and we'll sit in their laps and we'll bother them and we'll need to go out 48 times to chase the squirrels. And when the burglar breaks in or when the mouse runs across the floor, our bark will be the same. They're not, they're not, they don't have that conscious awareness ability that, that we do. That's a unique thing God created humans with. Number two, you have a unique moral awareness. Part of being in the image of God is we have a moral awareness. How many of you ever have owned cattle? 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 Mm. Jeremy Telford's against cattle. <laughs> Chicken? All right. You, you know what? You know, how many of you know what a bull is? Okay, bulls are good. Bulls keep the cattle 
creation coming with cows, right? Cows are female, bulls are male, right? We had cows in Tennessee. Bulls are not moral. They don't find their one cow and stick with them. (laughs) Not saying that many humans are moral anymore either. (laughs) But we have a moral awareness. We have a moral awareness that no other part of creation at least that we know of, has. We have, number three, a unique rational mind. We have an ability to think that other parts of creation don't have. We have a unique ability to make choices that is beyond what the rest of creation has. I was watching a show uh, on Discovery or something one time, and this guy was talking about the, the dolphin and how the dolphin is so much smarter than humans. That kind of got my attention. And they said, the dolphin has been around 70 million years. thought, prove that, pal. And they've never started a war. They've never started a war. And I'm screaming at the TV because they're too dumb to start a war. You got to be evil and have a little bit of a brain to start a war. Amen? I mean, if dolphins were smarter than us, why haven't they put on scuba gear and taken us over? You don't see dolphins walking around in our environment. And I'm not saying they're not smart, but we have a, we have a unique rational mind that, that's above that. And, and number four, this is really neat. We have a unique spiritual ability to relate to God. We have a unique spiritual ability to relate to God. Again, as much as I love my dogs and would like to think right now they're home having their Wednesday night Bible study, they're not. We have a unique ability to relate to God that no other part of creation has. We are created with an ability to respond and to fellowship with God. In fact, this next blank, we are created to fellowship with God. Did you know that? You were created to fellowship with God. You were created to have life and to do life with God here and for eternity. See, this is where so many people live and die, and they never find that fulfillment. That's, it's ultimately found in fellowship with God. And, and a lot of Christians, we, we know Christ, but we don't walk with Christ. Second, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 1, 9, listen to what it says. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son and Jesus Christ, our Lord. You, you were called, you were created for, and you have been called into a fellowship and a relationship with God. That's all great news. Now, here's some not so good news. Man, by their free will, disobeyed God. Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, And it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. Without going into all the details, most of you know the story God had said that Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. You have everything except this one tree. (laughs) And anytime God tells us there's one thing we can't have, our nature a lot of times is what? That's what we want. And so the woman sinned, didn't she? See, y'all not listening. <laughs> Some of you men are. The woman sinned and the man sinned. They sinned. And, and it, uh, here's what happened. The resulted in banishment from the immediate presence of God, punishment, 
and ultimately death. You can read that in Genesis 3 when you get home. And since that point, when our great, 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 greats messed up, man has been born broken. We, we are born into sin. And we're all sinners by birth and choice. Romans 3.23 says, read that aloud with me. For, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But now here's some really important things right here. Even though that we're all sinners, even though everyone you meet is a sinner, where you're either a saved sinner or a lost sinner, but we're all sinners, that yet we are still creatures made in the image of God. Very important. The image of God was not removed from you and me when Adam and Eve sinned. I'll give you two passages which verify that after the Garden of Eden. Genesis 9, 6 This is God talking to Noah. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his own image. Way over the New Testament in James chapter 3 verse 9, listen to what it says. Sometimes our tongues, we praise our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those, read that last part with me, who have been made in the image of God. Of God. See, here's a, here's a great thing. Although we're all sinners, we're all broken, and everyone we meet is sinner, uh, sinner and broken, everyone we meet, and including you, you were made in the image of God. The image of God is still in us. And, and we are still free moral agents. We are still free moral agents. I'm going to read to you that Genesis passage in a moment, but here's something that, that when I was in seminary and graduate school for preachers and, and, you know, we're learning things. And so a lot of times people say things they haven't thought through. You ever hear that? And, and sometimes, sometimes it's not ugly. It's just that we hear something that sounds good, right? And we say it and it, 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 I had a guy tell me one time, he said, uh, it was a young guy at my age at the time. And he said, he said, Chris and Genesis three, we made a choice to to sin, and then we lost our ability to choose after that. We chose to sin and lost our ability to choose. And and I didn't know much about the Bible, but I knew this. I said, have you ever read Genesis 4? In Genesis 4, verse 6 and 7, if we lost our ability to choose, God was sure teasing Cain here. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face falling? If you do well, Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It, it, its desire has a desire for you, but you must rule over it. That's Cain and Abel. Cain is very jealous of his brother Abel. God knows something bad's fixing to happen. And God doesn't come to Cain and says, <laughs> you can't choose. You're fixing to kill him. You can't choose. No. What did he say to him? You are fixing to mess up. You better choose to do what's right. We know that, that he didn't, but you, you are a free moral agent. And God still loves us immensely. God still loves us immensely. I don't know who tonight watching online or who here needs to hear that, but I hope you will. I hope you'll hear that God loves you and your family, and he loves you as much as anybody that's ever lived. John three sixteen and 17, for God so loved the world, the world means the sum total of individuals, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
In verse 17, it says, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God loves you deeply. God loves you deeply. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner, but you're created in the image of God. We're broken, but we still have the ability to make right choices or wrong choices. And God loves us immensely. Here's another thing. Jesus died for every one of us. Every one of us. Okay, let me ask you. There is some teaching that says Jesus didn't die for everybody. Okay, I want want an honest truth here. How many of you want Jesus to have died for you? (laughs) I've never heard anyone who doesn't believe Jesus died for everybody say, well, he didn't die for me. I'd believe they really believe what they said if they believe that. Do you believe Jesus died for you? I mean, only eternity, forgiveness, salvation rest on it. 2 Corinthians 14, excuse me, 5, 14 and 15. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for who? For all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for who? For all, that those who live might not no longer live for themselves, but for their sake, who he was raised. 1 John 1, excuse me, 1 John 2, 2, a verse I love deeply. He himself is a sacrifice that atones for our sins, but not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Isn't that great? Jesus died for you, but every person you meet, even that person that's driving you crazy, Jesus died for them. Even that person that is hard to love, even that person you're going to look at on the news tonight that you may never meet, but that you think is absolutely crazy, Jesus died for them. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus died for them. From Genesis 4 through Revelation 22, We have the record of the God of all creation trying passionately to show his love and to give us his salvation. Revelation 22, 17. Revelation 22 is the last chapter in the Bible. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires to drink freely come. From the water of life. Isn't it, isn't it great? Some of the last words in the Bible is, is God saying, let anyone who wants to come and be saved and find life, let them come. Isn't that wonderful? I want to read 2 Corinthians 5, 16 one more time for you. Look at this. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we now think of him. When you see yourself how God sees you, and when you see other people as God sees them, it's a game changer. Hey, listen, as a church, I want you to see yourself as God sees you, but I want you to see everybody else as God sees them too. Here's some summary thoughts. We're all broken and sinful. We're either saved sinners or lost sinners, but we're all sinners. Yet you and everyone you will see is a unique creation of God. Everyone is created in the image of God. 
Everyone is someone whom God loves deeply, someone who Christ died for, someone whom God desires deeply to save and change for eternity. Second Peter 3, 9 is a great verse. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, his promise of the second coming, as some people think of it. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. You and everyone you meet are a wonderful creation of God. Again, I hope tonight that inspires you. I hope that encourages you. I give you a couple of thoughts as we conclude with an invitation. I'm not even going to give a come forward invitation tonight. I'm just going to say if you need to talk to me after church, I'll be over here. Maybe you want to give your life to Christ. We'll help you with that after church. Join the church. Maybe as a Christian to renew your life, you do that where you are. You come talk to us after church. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And I just want to ask you in these closing moments, do you realize how much God loves you? Enough that he died for you, sent Jesus here to die for you, that he is doing everything he can to save you. You need to give your life to Christ tonight. Do that tonight. As a Christian, embrace who you are and what you mean to Jesus. As a Christian, as a church, let's see every person as a special, unique creation of God, someone that Jesus loves, he died for, just like we are. It's a game changer. Jesus, thank you so much for what we mean to you. It's incredible to think the God of all creation knows and loves each of us deeply. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.